least I can do is drive you home. Ah, what's the most? Well. Do you know Goose Street? Very well. I'm on Goose Place, number eight. Madame? shining on you. It's the closest most people ever get to being on stage. You know, to their dreams. Not me. Not you. I can see you want it. More than anything. Well, this is just a taste of things to come, Sandy. Troubles, all the noise and the hurry seems to help. I know downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalks where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose? The lights are much brighter there. You can forget all your troubles. Forget all your cares, so go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No finer place for sure. Downtown, everyone's waiting for you. Everyone's waiting for you. Everyone's waiting. Hello, hello listeners. Welcome back to the James Bond Complex, the podcast where we discuss and rejoice in everything from everything from Fleming to film and everything in between. Ooh, I'm one of your Ooh. Ooh. Uh... I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Kim, and we also have my name's Edgar. I'm always Matt. Uh, or am I? You're a constant. Just, I like that. And just as I said in our introduction, our podcast motto, motif is from Fleming to film and everything in between. And this week we got for our Halloween special, we cover the in between of the podcast. And what are we discussing, guys, today? Discussing I don't know. You tell your, me. <laughs> we're discussing your last night in Soho. Or my, it was my last month in Soho. <laughs> we're we're going to discuss my last month in Soho, but I was also in Soho last night as well, or Edgar Wright, our director and our esteemed colleague of our, or, or wishful esteemed colleague of ours, Edgar Wright, took us mm-hmm. back to Soho last night. And that's the film that we'll be rejoicing and discussing today. And what are some of the, before we begin uh, do we want to explain to our listeners what the in-between of Last Night in Soho is, or do you want to get it as we go along? No, let's tell the, the, the listeners for this movie that's opening this week and exactly what happens into it. We'll put a spoiler warning. <laughs> yep. um, so, Eloise Turner, better known as Ellie, is living a time capsule. Nestled in the English countryside with her grandmother, Peggy, the young adult is in love with the 60s, especially its music and fashion. 
Speaking of which, our protagonist learns that her dream of being accepted into the London College of Fashion has come true. Style points. But before embarking on the next chapter of her life, Peggy warns her granddaughter to be careful, especially of her mental state. Young Ellie has visions of her dead mother who died years ago. The horror, the trauma. But downtown awaits where everything is waiting for you. No sooner does Ellie arrive that figurative London showers begin to rain down on the inexperienced youth. A discomforting cab ride to her flat is followed by a meeting with her pompous, rude roommate. The first few days in London are everything a girl could not want, prompting Ellie to find a new roof on George Street in an old but relatively cozy 60s flat owned by the fastidious Miss Collins. But the ambitious fashion designer gets far more than she ever bargained for. Every night when Ellie closes her eyes, she lives through the most trippy adventures. No psychedelic drugs required. She lives vicariously through the body of a woman of her age back in the mid-60s, probably 65 or early 66 for astute Bond fans. Sandy is her avatar, someone with great confidence of making it big as a singer in the swinging London nightclub scene. Her first foot in the door is courtesy of Jack an influential personality who knows the business. Every night, Ellie lives through more and more of Sandy's life until dreams become nightmares for both of them. As Sandy soon realizes she is no more than a pawn in Jack's side business as a pimp, Ellie sees her sanity, when awake, crumble as well. Elements that are virtual reality dreams when sleeping seep into the real world with the intensity increasing ever more the night our heroine sees Sandy murdered by Jack in the same bedroom. Even Miss Collins has a doubt as to whether Ellie is the right tenant for her. Stunned and haunted by what she's seen, Ellie takes it upon herself to find out what happened to Jack after slaughtering Sandy with several clues pointing towards an elderly gentleman who seems to know of Sandy and frequently drinks at the pub Ellie works at. Both realities crash into one another with ghosts of the past haunting the protagonist's daily life. When the clues regarding the apparent curvy stalker lead to a dead end, Ellie decides enough is enough. It's time to leave London. Uh, it's as she delivers the bad news to the loyal Miss Collins that she learns to her horror that it was Miss Collins all along. Well, manner of speaking, the ghosts haunting Ellie were not in fact people who successfully abused her of her for pleasures of the flesh, but rather the men she murdered when she brought them back to her flat. Sandy, AKA Alexandra Collins, did die that night. Her innocence died. A fight breaks out, the building goes on fire, and at the last moment, Ellie understands that as horrifying as Sandy's acts were, there was at least some reason to the madness. Our heroine escapes, but Miss Collins remains in the fire. Sometime later, Ellie is applauded at a fashion show for her remarkable work, just marvelous. As she walks away to take a breather, she catches a reflection in the mirror that reminds her that the past indeed isn't dead as credits roll. That's the best I can come up with after one viewing and a last minute. That's, uh... <laughs> 
That's a very good. That was a very good. For a, a, for from a single viewing, uh, congrats, man. Because there's a oh yeah, mm-hmm, I forgot that. Oh, that's that character's name. Oh, I remember that. And I didn't. I didn't even mention probably the funniest character in the book, the boyfriend, Jack, uh, John. I did. Yeah. I had no place to fit John, him. <laughs> John is John is Jack technically in English, but you know. Yeah. True. True that. I didn't want to. So, I didn't want to. Shoot. Talk to me, Jason. Talk to me. So this is one thing that I wish no t- since this is a post no time dive uh, podcast episode. Uh, I wish uh, no time die in the beginning of the film said something like for Roger or for Sean. Yeah. But but that to have a movie paying tribute to the two deceased Bond actors in a movie where mm. Bond di- in a movie where Bond dies. I was like, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the best film to make the tribute there for, but. <laughs> But to, uh, to, be, to be discussed even more at, at a future point, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, but uh, I did love that uh, Edgar Wright before you know after the uh, studio logos come up, it just starts with a blank black screen says for Diana, mm-hmm. and then I didn't realize. And then uh, you know I thought you know Diana Rigg, she's a lot older, and you know like I mean she was a very prominent character in Game of Thrones, a very a fan favorite for that matter, actually, mm-hmm. and. I thought she was going to be like maybe more than like a supporting. I mean, she is a supporting character, but like, but like maybe like a cameo or two at best. But no, she was actually a very. Yeah, she's a character. I was surprised because I, I had the same impression. I thought, you know, she's going to be there for like one scene and we'll never see her again. Oh, no, she's actually she she, she she's, she's around. She's like the drive. She's like the driving point of the plot because like, yeah. like none, none of the posters ever advertise her character i mean i guess for better or for worse and then yeah. it turned out because like the movie offered a lot of element of surprise and while we're still on the credits i also wanted to bring up that uh this film was beautifully shot by one of my favorite korean cinematographers uh his name in korean is chong chong hoon and he's also he's done many films that you guys may or may not be familiar with uh, old boy is one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Late, uh, sympathy of Lady Vengeance in Korea mm. is So in both films, it's both this and that film, it's about females seeking vengeance against their past abusers. And a completely different genre called Shinsege or New World. It's a gangster film featuring the currently, the main character from the currently global popular show called Squid Game on Netflix. He's also done Handmaiden, Stoker, mm. So Jesus. these are all stoked with Nicole Kim. And so he's he's a regular go-to cinematographer for the director Pak Chan Wook. As I as I you know went down to the credits, and he's done another horror, another American horror film or or West or non-Korean horror film called It, the first part, It Part One. Oh, and he's the DP he, for that. Yeah, the first It with, with the hmm. with the kids. Yeah, the mm-hmm. good one, not the bad yeah, one. The good, yeah, the good, the bad, the better one. And <laughs> and and if you guys don't remember, as we say, from Fleming to film and everything in between, that movie, or he was handpicked by none other than our No Time Dies very own Kerry Fukunaga to to it be the DP, to be the DP for that. But then obviously Kerry Fukunaga pulled Danny Boyle before Danny Boyle did. Yeah. Now, now, now we're here. 
That's incredible. Stoker was my favorite movie the year it came out. And uh, The Handmaiden was a favorite of mine as well. Yeah, it's uh, and Sympathy for Lady. Wow, Jesus. Uh, so, and it looks good. And it's no surprise that Last Night in Soho is, it's very intelligently shot. Uh, it's very slick. It's very slick. And it's like, I felt like each frame, like you could tell, like he, the way both Edgar Wright and Chong uh, Jong Hoon, he was telling a story per frame shot, like, like when Ellie's in the bedroom and then he she wakes up in the glamorous swinging 60, 60s and, and and appears in what is now what is really on in London Piccadilly Circus mm. Empire which is the Empire Haymarket Cinemas, but which stood for Cafe de Paris, Cafe de Paris, and I didn't know this, but Cafe de Paris actually existed in the sixties or it actually existed for for five decades and. It only recently shut down in December 2020 because of the pandemic. But it's not in mm. it's not in Piccadilly Circus. It's like more in Soho. But yeah, I know that most most of the locations are actually places that used to exist. Um, I've, I've no, it's been about well since since I I know that most of those locations, uh, and I think some of them are mentioned either in. Like I knew Cafe de Paris. I don't know why I know that name, but I've either it's related to Fleming or it's some 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 other book or movie because it's something I, it's something that I picked up. It's a name that I I, I remember for some reason. Um, but it, speaking of the cinematography, I, I, I'm gonna see something. I, I want to bring something up. It, it might be uh, controversial for, for, for this panel. Um, you know, I, I like the way the movie looks. Uh, you know, there's a contrast between the flashbacks, the dreams, or the the, the ghost world. I don't know what you want to call it. And the current time. The current time, it's a little bit more golden, a little bit brown, a little bit more dour. And when you go in the 60s, it's brighter. There's a lot more colors in the lighting. It's mm. more flashy, especially when you're, you're in clubs uh, a lot of the times. And sometimes, you know, it's a little bit more... There, there's, there are more effects there are in-camera effects there's some digital effects because mm. uh, the the what's her name uh, the lead girl like Eloise uh, you see uh, she, she becomes Sadie but she's you see reflections and mm. it's not her but they they play with that play plenty of times it's later on because the movie is called a psychological uh, horror film um I was not very scared by this movie, by by the way, and I feel like some of the tension. Because I mean, I'm like, well, uh, uh, what's another famous psychological horror film? The Shining. You just put psychological horror film on Google, and it's one of the first one, first one that pops up. I'm like, this is you because when there are ghostly apparitions or uh, evil ghosts, you you see them along or on they're on frame for long periods of time, and to a degree that you sort of are not freaked out by them anymore. They're on they're they're on screen a plenty of times, so it, it it removes attention. I did not find that movie to be especially because it's they they don't uh, you know when they show up they just show up the ghost and they become a recurring nightmare for, for the rest of the movie. So you you're, you're not it only becomes stressful at the very end when there's a fire all of a sudden and she's on drugs. That's that's a trippy sequence though. Like the, the ending, I I I, I enjoy when the, I I have more things with the ending because uh you know I I it's only at 
the end, I figured what this movie was because uh, it's, it's an adaptation, um, uh, not of a uh, not not by name or or a video by, game. No, <laughs> actually, uh, well, you know what? I'll say it right now. Uh, it's the it. tell. You know, I've one of the first classes I had in English when I moved to Montreal because I I, I I studied uh, in under the French language for most of my life. One of the first uh, short stories they made us read was the Telltale Heart, and precisely because mm -hmm. there's yeah. a there's a reading of that short story because uh, the guy who who's the murderer the 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 unreliable narrator says mentions that. Uh, the person he killed he killed because he had an evil eye and he played on the, the notion that evil eye is i as an eye and i as a person and i when i first read that i was oh my god that's so smart mind you i was maybe 19 when when i read that and it's one of the first time he made like i had to read a, a short story that i was not familiar with i it blew my mind but this, the gist of that story is that the murderer uh starts hearing uh, sort of the, the heartbeat of the person he killed, sort of the ghost uh, that he buried under the 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 the, the, the floor. Room. Floor, yeah, and at the end of the movie, what happens? Well, the ghost bursts out from the floor, and it's they, they, they are trying to grab the the, the 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 Eloise character. It just oh my god, that's it, this is what it was all along. Somebody who's uh, haunted by the 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 ghosts of the people that uh, they, they murdered, but instead of hunting, and it's she's she has the mental issues uh eloise because she sees ghosts but you know it's a sixth sense but she's very even then she's very angst ridden she's she she she's a very, a very anxious nervous person so she 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 she, she flips up also because she gets drug at one point um you know it's it, it, i like that it's a interpretation of the telltale but Tension wise and horror wise, I was let down a little bit. I I I I, I, I expected it to be a little bit more spooked uh, than I was. I was a little bit disappointed in that. I don't know how, how you guys feel. Uh, where, did you enjoy the horror element of the film? Uh, I'll go and say sorry. I'll go and say I didn't expect this to be a horror at all. Like this movie was not what I expected whatsoever. I thought. I mean, I don't. I mean, the ghost musical the, comedy. <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, definitely not Baby Driver, but like the ghost, like you, the way you mentioned it, uh, Matthew. Uh, it didn't scare me at all either. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what Edgar Wright did in uh, World's End when those rope when that entire small city, the small town English, yeah, small English towns like rope people, humans all converted into robots and they're like, or, 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 or like, you know, what's in, what's his name? A hot buzz, not hot buzz, a Shaun of the Dead when Simon Pegg is going through the English, English leading the people through the English town and the zombies are, yeah. it was kind of like that zombie kinda, acting. Yeah, no, that, yeah but, I'm glad. But, but those are comedy, so uh, they're, they're yeah, meant that, to be. I That's what I went in like thinking this would be. I thought it was going to be like a like a dark comedy more or less but uh so that's why i got more thrills out of the the or oh. element of surprise i i caught on the element of surprise elements because uh i went and thinking it was gonna be like a dark comedy and according to edgar right this is a dark this movie his he the way he calls it is a it's a dark valentine letter to the 60s oh of course mm. but yeah 
Edgar, you have our, our very own Edgar. I'll, we haven't heard That's from him. Uh, yeah, no, this movie's crap. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, it was. It, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, I. It, it's interesting. Who was I talking to? I think we might have been talking to our our friend King, and he was saying, um, "Don't watch the second trailer. If you've seen the first trailer, which is functions as a teaser, a very well cut to." I rewatched the teaser when I got back home last night. That is a damn good trailer. Um, but he said, don't watch the second trailer. Apparently he gave too much away. I remember him saying that, but uh, I, I had a lot of, uh, quite a bit of fun with it. Uh, having seen the teaser trailer a few months ago, it's not a trailer I watched on, on loop or anything. Um, it, it, I would say the teaser trailer gives a solid indication of what this movie is going to be. Very stylish, uh, creepy, mysterious, psychedelic. Obviously, I mean, the trailer does reveal that she sort of time travels vicariously into the 60s and there's murder going on. Um, so I, I did know generally what I was going to get myself into. So I wasn't too worried when like 20 minutes had gone by and like I hadn't really laughed. Uh, the, <laughs> teaser tra- the, the teaser trailer wasn't it's not a funny trailer. Where was I going with it? So it's a fun movie. I do like uh, the it's sort of a, a dove of the cap to the old Jello films from the 60s mm. and 70s. Mm. Uh, I've seen a number of them, the Mario Bavas, some Dario Argento. Uh, there's another name that's on the tip of my tongue that's, of course, forgetting at the moment. And I would say maybe to, further to your point, Matthew, you said you weren't very frightened, um, not a particularly scary movie. Uh, it's not. Um, if it's supposed to be homage to the Jalos, those aren't scary movies per se. They concentrate more on the mystery and on the gory kills. Um, it, they're not they're not spook fests per se. Although in the latter, in the back end of last night in Soho, when there are ghosts all over the place, I guess it's supposed to be scary. Um, so maybe that's a bit of a failure. But I did like the characters quite a bit. I I, I liked Ellie and Sandy and their sort of bizarrely symbiotic relationship. Uh, second symbiotic movie, uh, a movie I've seen with a symbiotic relationship in the past few weeks. This one was a little bit better though. Um, Are you talking but, about Venom too? Yeah, I'm talking about Venom too. Uh, last night Soho was a little bit more polished than Venom too. But uh, no, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good overall. And the soundtrack is, is quite good as well. The soundtrack does a lot of heavy lifting here. Oh yeah, the soundtrack is great. Mm. Because like, I wish I was as musically uh, well versed as I am in cinema as Edgar Wright is. But anyway, like one of the songs, the, the Petula Clark's Downtown, uh, Anya Taylor Joy. You know when, so when she's in the studio like auditioning, that's actually her singing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I saw that after she, the fact. In uh, on, uh, wow. And she posted uh, that. So that's that's actually Anya Taylor Joy's cover of her singing it, and uh, she, I mean, released it on Instagram. So that's how I knew. And so I think, I mean, so this movie came was filmed, or Anya Taylor Joy of Queen's Gambit filmed this before mm. before Queen's Gambit, I guess, because this was supposed to come out at the same time as No Time to Die originally. So, right. so I guess, so I guess Edgar Wright caught on to. What Anya Taylor Joy's potential could be before the world saw her, but then because she's become famous and <laughs> an A-list actress as a result of Queen's Game, but now this is kind of putting 
this film is putting her and Edgar Wright to more exposure. And while I'm on that topic, I thought this movie really reminded me of, uh, because it's about an abused victim going against her abusers. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Monster, the movie called Monster in the early 2000s. Oh, Char- oh the Char- one, yeah. Char- Charlize Theron plays a hooker who murders, like, who, who, hooker turns serial killer against like, a bunch of truck drivers who tried to rape her. Mm-hmm. Uh, promising young woman, which is also another film about going paying vengeance against the abusers, and a mm-hmm. and a third film that's not about vengeance against abusers, but is what's thematically in in conjunction with this film is a movie called Mulholland Drive by David. Okay. Uh, and the reason why mm-hmm. is connect connect. Oh, go on, sorry, is, go ahead, go on. Because like in both films, we get two symbiotic characters, like you know, whether it's Naomi Watts and whatever her other her alter ego. Character oh my is. god! Yeah. And then in this film, we get Lou, Ellie, who who gets transported as uh, Sandy. So Ellie, played by Thomas and Mackenzie, who I hope becomes a big name after this film, and she transports to become Anya Taylor Joy, Sandy in. Uh, when she enters the 60s and in both films uh, it's about like glamour like you know like you glamorize or it's about like putting on a facade to live live glamorously whereas deep down it's a uh, very dark they're, they're both trying to break in show business uh, yeah. if, if i'm correctly it's been a while yeah. since i've seen and it's a david lynch movie so it's really yeah. bizarre but yeah i <laughs> now that you explain it oh i i see what you mean yeah that the, the, there's a dark element to something that seems light and fluffy uh, so edgar wright goes a little deeper so he's not specifically targeting hollywood but we as bomb fans i'm not so this is not a bad thing at all but like or we as Bond fans or many people like likes to glamorize the 60s because you know like that's when Bond hit it off and I yeah, yeah. and that's I watching <laughs> this trailer I was like man only if I was able to watch Thunderball and Goldfinger at the big screen in the 60s uh, or oh, Spy Love Me yeah. in the 70s like I dream about that and and he's <laughs> and Edgar Wright says the theme of this film and and I thought he was very poor and I really loved the way he pointedly delivered in this film is the dangers and nostalgia or longing for the past. And this is what Edgar Wright wrote is, uh, for far too much in the world, people talk about, quote unquote, the good old days. And this idea that there's a decade or an era that was perfect, where everything was great, nothing bad happened. Darkness of the 60s is very well documented in in literature, film, drama, but only if we want to look for it. The tendency to romanticize the past, even the dark side, maybe that's a dangerous thing to do. And not just the 60s for me, uh, I like to, because I was born in the Korean 80s, I like to glamorize 80s Korea a lot. Like that's when the Korea's economy was finally booming, it was getting its place in the world. Like I like the, the, the town culture. Like whenever I go back to Korea, like I like places that kind of resemble 80s Korea because like it just brings back so much nostalgia. But I will, I will be very remiss and ignorant if I also didn't, what if I could nostalgia or romanticize about 80s Korea all I want, but I'll be really- You were gonna say nostalgia, nostalgize, right? You were gonna say nostalgize. <laughs> it's creative, nostalgize. Yeah, yeah nostalgia. But I, I, can, I, could, uh, I could romanticize 80s Korea all I want, but I will be remiss 
if I didn't include all the human rights violations and the in the dictatorship or did the dictatorship that occurred in Korea that was becoming yeah. a, a stain in the world stain for the world at the time and yeah. so that's why uh, as Edgar Wright says like you, you when you want like this uh romanticize a decade or like want to focus on a decade you can't just look at the facade or like the surface you got to go deep and look at both the good and the bad and mm. the 60s as uh, Edgar Wright complete, uh, portrayed well it had a lot 60s London had both the good and the bad and Soho today is a much is a much glamorized place today than even not just the 60s but even 10 years ago because like I remember when I was in Soho London as a poor college student I got a uh, <laughs> As a poor university student, uh, I got uh, what is it? Should I get my violin out? Should I? When I was, no, no, I wasn't that. I wasn't that broke. But uh, <laughs> well, you, if you were living in downtown London, no, you weren't no, that broke. No, no, I was not. Li- <laughs> no, I wasn't living in London. I was living in Oxford. But I, whenever I visited London, I stopped mm. by. So, you know, I went mm. to Soho because I wanted to like feel the facade. But many times when I was in Soho, and this is just. Just as recent as 2010, uh, I got picked solicited by a lot of hookers when I was there. <laughs> by hookers or by hookers or uh, uh, these uh, these like they're I want to call them hookers, but these like really attractive women who come up to me and be like, "Hey, do you want to go to a bar?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then, but this, <laughs> and I, but these scam girls, what they would do is they take to a bar that's on a very high rooftop so it looks all glamorous and they would chart and then once they're like they will order like three drinks that cost like 800 mm. euro and then the mm. bar charges the patrons 800 euros because like it's part of their scam that they get away with and if you don't have it then two big ass bouncers take it to a atm like beat the hell out of you for it and then these and these girls are paid to do that to like you know like naive tourists or just mm. young single men like myself and when Tourist i was just yeah, it's an absolute tourist trap. So when I was in Soho recently, none of that happened this time. But like, it's a very common, uh, it's it's a very common scam and tourist trap that that used to occur in Soho a lot. That's a bizarre scam. I'm you know, you, you came. I never, got, I, I never, I, I never, I never fell for that scam because I read about it. And I saw people getting caught with it. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's a good thing because otherwise you would probably be a ghost in a young lady's dream who's uh, <laughs> having nightmares about murder. Someone the, the, having nightmares about the hooker that picked you up. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, thank you. It's a good thing you're here with us today on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm sort of happy that you brought up the uh, rights uh, quote there back there because I think the notion about romanticizing, or excuse me, I'm speaking proper English, nostalgicizing uh, about the past, um, it was percolating under the surface and it was percolating in my mind as I saw the film and in the days, because I saw it a little bit earlier than you guys. Uh, It's been percolating in my mind since, but the the right quote really synthesizes it quite well. it's funny that Edgar Wright himself is such a big Bond fan. And of course, he's gone on record saying, well, Barbara calls me, I have my pitch, you know, and that's all fine and dandy. But it's funny that he's such a big fan of the Bond films. He now sets Last Night Solo, at least partially, in the 60s, which is a very romanticized epoch, most notably in the Bond films. 
And now, now we have a movie from a diehard Bond fan about saying, well, you know, yeah, or the swinging 60s, every, it was love and peace. Well, it was a dark side to that as well. Yeah, it's, it's well done. Well done, Mr. Wright. You might even say he's right. Hmm? Uh, and while, uh, while we're on the uh, fun the Bond and Edgar Wright topic, I really want to discuss Miss Collins, who's portrayed by none other than the late Dame Diana Rigg. I thought this was a mm. very, I mean, if, if, Game of, if her last role was Lady Tyrell in Game of Thrones, I would have been happy, but to go out on this film was very, was a very good finishing touch. You know what she is? She just went out in a flame of glory. Yeah, but not only that, well, she's, yeah, uh, to, to bring other uh, horror movies uh, into the, or the vernacular, she's the uh, Miss Vories uh, of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm the killer all along! Uh, and I, I oh, like, right, yeah. she, she's frightening at the end. I, I like that that uh, 80-some-odd uh, years old woman is, is still managed to, to come off as uh, intimidating and scary, even though she's physically not, you know, she, she manages to out, not out, you know, out, not out think hard with, but su su surprise people by playing a character, basically, that oh, the weak old woman with a little bit cuckoo, she poisons uh, Eloise, she uh, stabs John, oh, John, I want to talk about John, the most important character <laughs> of this movie, Um <laughs> But that's it, and and, and the, the the place starts to get on fire, and uh, Eloise is drugged, and she's you know she 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 throws up at one point, but she's the the, the poison she was given should have killed her. Uh, well, I thought it was I, I thought it was sleeping pills. I never, or at least that's what Wikipedia says. I don't because they never really explain what she exactly uh, put roofies mm. or what. You can overdose on sleeping pills. So uh, whatever it is, she <laughs> regurgitates, but she's still like Molly. She she kind of she, she I assume she's kind of buzzed because of it. But at the same time, she starts seeing ghosts, and it's the most it's the tripiest. And she's just like Dame Dejudence is just climbing up the stairs, and she's swinging. Diana Rigg, and, I think you I think you mean Diana. I know. Uh, yeah. What did I say? Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> Dame, <laughs> I wanted to say. Oops. One, one, one plate, one plate, and one plate. The Bond girl that married Mr. Bond. Yeah, Have you guys yeah, seen yeah. Well, the both, uh, both were Bond girls, just different times. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is, in fairness, that is actually very true. Skyfall. I, I, I want to bring uh, the actress uh, Thomason. Thomason Mac Mackenzie. Thomason I, Mackenzie. I, I, you know, obviously she's, uh, she's. A uh, uh, very young actress that she has, she hasn't done much. She, she I've never seen her before. Um, but mm. I one thing I enjoy about her is her voice. She has that. You know, Disney needs to hire her to play a princess in some of their like movies. <laughs> she has that very sort of whisper. Like it's 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 her it's, 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 her voice is kind of like a whisper, but it's also a bit uh, not cracky, but. I, it's it, her voice has a quality that I found very enchant, oh, enchanting, but also they're, they're, almost they're, it almost sounds like it's not fully developed. Like she's still yeah. speaking like a little girl. Now I haven't seen interviews with the actress, so I don't know what she sounds like when she's just talking to just anybody. But in this movie, she sounds like a little girl. Yeah, yeah. She, I she, mean, she's 
I mean, I think her accent's different than what she puts on the film because like she's putting up uh, Cornwall accent. Cornwall's the city mm. where she's from, so Southeast England. But in real life, she's a New Zealander. She's a Kiwi. Yeah. So yeah, I, be I, that's because I'm francophone. Uh, it, it, you know, except for Cockney, it, it's all like English accent for for me. I I I, I can't. Uh, uh, one day, I'll, hopefully, I I can get the, but I, I can't pick up a Cornwall accent. <laughs> Thank you, Jason, because. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's out of my league of uh, uh, um, uh, accent like, voice. I'm just but, like being an anglophile for many years. And yeah, but it's it's, it's it, I think it's also you, you, more. Uh, it's not your mother tongue, but you grew up. Um, you, you had to study. Uh, you, you, we we have different linguist experience, lingui, oh. lingual experience. You're you're uh, you're a conier linguist than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I yeah, I, I, oh sorry. Oh no, I just wanted to quickly point out since we were on the Dame Diana Rick comment, like I'm glad that they casted Anya Taylor Joy as the young Sandy because, like, because we as Bond fans, we know how Dame Diana Rick looked like in the '60s as uh, Trace as Tracy, and I remember like when Game of Thrones was such a huge show, like people will find pictures of Dame Diana Rigg and put it on the internet and be like, oh, guess who this is? And, and then, uh, you know, and then my friends on, you know, social media being social media, they always wanted to be the element of surprise. And I'd be like, oh, that's uh, the actress who played, uh, that's Diana Rigg who played a bong in all the 60s. In there. And then all my friends would always get mad at me, but like, Jason, I wanted to be like a surprise or, or, you know, on social media. And as you ruin the fun and, and whatnot. And I remember when I shared a picture of Tracy to my college roommate, you're like, Guess who this is? And they're like, oh, it's probably a Bond girl. And I was like, yeah, it's a Bond girl, but she's also Lady Tyrell Game of Thrones. You're like, oh my gosh, no way. And you know. I love so, it when people do that. You ruined the fun because you're knowledgeable. Why did you ruin my fun? Because you know things. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would say neither Anya Taylor Joy or nor Natalie Dormer, who played uh, because some people are like, oh, Natalie Dormer looks who played up. Uh, Dame Diana Riggs' uh, granddaughter in Game of Thrones. You're like, oh, they look mm. so like. I was like, no, they do. Mm. No, they like, don't. They don't mm. at all. Like, like and, uh, I'm glad, and that's why I'm glad they casted Anya Taylor Joy because there was an element of surprise. Yeah. About, about if they cast, uh, the they tried to cast somebody who looks who like look Diana like, Riggs or vice versa. Uh, the, the, the 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 shock wouldn't the shock. be as strong. It's kind of like Terrence Stamp who plays a. Uh, the uh, you, you think for uh, mo most of the movie that he's playing the uh, Matt Smith character, the older older version, but it's a yeah. That, that was that. Was, I mean, this is a spoiler filled episode, so no, so so reveal reveal it all away. <laughs> yeah, he kind of looks, but they they arranged him to look like Matt Smith. They gave him a wig. They they sort of made him up mm. to look a little bit, like what an older version of Matt Smith. And I want to bring up Matt Smith because that man, I've I've known him from Doctor. I'm I, I'm gonna guess I'm the only one of the three of us that watched his entire run of Doctor Who. Am I? I did I did not say so, yeah. Exactly, uh, he's, he played the doctor for a couple seasons, and he's my favorite doctor uh, so much that it's the only doctor I've known. I've, I've, I, although I watched the first two doctors uh, before him, it's only when he started playing the show that I actually enjoyed the show, and when he left, I, I stopped watching. And it, it could be good, it could be bad. 
I don't care, and I don't need more Doctor in my life than that that iteration. But he's sort of a likable, goofy character, very light, very. Uh, uh, he's, he's a heroic character, but since he left that role, he's always playing those nasty pieces of shit or unlikable character. Like he, he played Skynet in one of those Terminator that doesn't count anymore. He was the living embodiment of Skynet. And he, oh, he here, here at first, I didn't know what the movie was about. I, I barely remember the trailer. So I'm like, oh, it's probably, they're probably going to be a couple and they're going to fall in love and the girl's going to get murdered. Uh, and the 10 step character, uh, you're going to think that he killed her, but later on, you're going to find that it's somebody else. That's, you know, I was making my own story. When, when you, you realize like he's a pimp and he's, uh, and she she looks at up. I was horrified. I'm like, what the hell? What, what am I watching? And he's like, oh, do you mind if I like take her out? And he's like, I don't mind. And you see, in uh, Sandy's eyes, that she doesn't want this at all. She's upset. But the you know it, it becomes a nasty relationship, and you see sort of a, it's you never see that character do drugs or be strung up. But at one point, there's a sequence she uh, she escapes through a corridor, and you see all these people sort of you know uh, enjoying the life of a prostitute in the 1960 in quotation and sort of not really enjoying. It. But you see that some of them are 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 drunk, some of them are shooting up, some of them are. Uh, having time, uh, not having a good time with nasty old people, and it's just, it's just that short sequence, and you and to me it implied what Sandy must is like, mm. what must have been for how many how many how many months years that uh, she was with Jack, uh, but I, you know there's I have a question for you re- in regards to uh, the house that Sandy lives in uh, and and owns by the end of her life. How do you you know, she she killed people in that house, and from what the movie says, I guess she she buries the people under the flooring and some let's and then some <laughs> some 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 behind the walls. Yes. So she, did she start? Was she renting the house when she started the uh, building a, a collection of dead cadavers in in her uh, house? Or the way I interpret it was like that was the house. That was that was the brothel that she was kind of taken to, and then she killed Matt Smith's character Jack in self defense, and then she started inviting other people into what was the then the brothel, and just went on a serial serial killing spree. And then my guess is she used the money that she got paid from being pimped or out stole to buy probably it was stole store yeah, and then eventually bought the house. She became her own self-managing. She became her own Matt Smith, yeah. but for the purpose of killing those people and taking yeah. their money. I, my, look, it, it's a jalo. It doesn't need to make perfect sense, but it's sort of fun to hypothesize about yeah. what led to... But I, I like Jason's sort of explanation. Thing. I usually am the one that comes up with weird explanations. Uh, thank you, Jason. That, that That's 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 better than... like I, I, I couldn't find an answer. I was like, eh, eh, eh. there's not compute. Oh, yeah, she, she's talking. So thank you. I did not... I did not go to uh, the Good Street or George Street on Fitzrovia on the West End when I was in London this time. But so it, it, it is a real street that oh, yeah, yeah. It exists? Yeah. Yes. And then the, there's, there's a pub on the corner too. So if I had known, I would have gone. But like, you know, like... Next time. Soho's, yeah, Soho's, Soho and Piccadilly Circus are so intertwined. I, I just took a lot of shots. I was like, hey, this is... Mm. So when I was watching 
you know, like last night, someone's like, oh, that's, you know, Piccadilly Circus because you see the big Times Square like um, yeah. projection. And, you know, like I went to Empire Haymarket, but like everything else was like, it's the same street, you know, like over and over. And then, but I didn't go to Fitzrovia when I was there. It, this time, at least. Still a cinema, right? I, the, the, in the, in behind you in the picture, like Shang Chi's playing or something. So, like yeah. yeah. So it actually is an uh, operating cinema because Empire is a very good cinema chain in London. So, Mm. so like when i was there they still hadn't because like no time die had just released so they hadn't had time to change the posters and then just right. recently just yesterday they changed it to last night in soho because that's where the film is set and Wright, yeah mm. and Wright did a, like a talk before the film started and then went away because he's been promoting the hell out of this film so yeah of course that's his baby. Yeah, he's very, uh, he is very talkative. He's very open. It's, it's funny that his movies don't make as much, I, they don't lose money necessarily, but they're not big blockbuster, uh, as far as box office performance goes. They're not big blockbusters, but he always finds ways to get enough money to make the next one. Good good on him. I don't, I don't know how rich or not rich he is in real life, but he's, he seems to be doing fine because he keeps on making these these movies uh, and he seems to I, take I the think right he writes for other people too i think he, he has a writing mm-hmm. credit on tintin yeah he does he does yeah that wasn't last he, week though and, uh, no and no but i a, think he probably he probably doesn't get all the credit i wouldn't be surprised if he's a script doc, doctor for other people he's, he's got that he got, and he probably gets back in from stuff like the ant-man movies depending on how well, he deal with marvel ones because he worked all he was he put when he pulled the Danny Boyle on Ant Man. He still is credited as a writer because he wrote mm-hmm. the yeah. of that film. So. Okay. Good for him. Good for him. So we're talking about so we got Kerry Fukunaga, Edgar Wright, all who pulled Danny Boyle before Danny Boyle. Did. <laughs> no, very unoriginal, Danny Boyle. Very unoriginal of you, <laughs> sir. I expected better. Um, I like uh, where the film. I, I like the complexity of the denouement where we find out that Miss Collins and Sandy are in fact the same person. So it is shocking, but I, I like that nuance, that complexity of, well, she's the killer. She was killing slobs. She was killing pigs. And it's sort of a, the subversion of, of, I guess, what women were expected to do sometimes in certain circles in the sixties, be sub, be sub, uh, not submersive, Submissive, excuse me. Be submissive and and do as the man tells you to do and take it and like it and stuff like that. So she was subverting that at the time in the era of um, it's still murder. She's still a she's literally a serial killer. (laughs) But but I like that complexity where it's like I get it. You're still the villain of this movie, and you should probably go to jail or burn in this fire. But I, I still get it. I, I like when, when movies do that. And, and in fact, some of the older channels do try that. They don't always succeed. Sometimes it's just like, no, you're just a jerk. You should die now. This one was maybe a little bit more, as much as you could split it down the middle for a serial killer, you know, I guess the film succeeded. I sort of liked that. I didn't, I wasn't sad that she was burning, but I sort of understood why Ellie the ghost um, asked her to kill um, uh, yeah. Miss Collins. 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 Thank you. She says no. She says no. She yeah, I, 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 I 
like that because uh, mm. you know it, it talks about the breaking the, the circle of violence because uh, to a degree Ellie Rema- re- keeps your her, her innocence but she she if, had she killed the the the, the uh, uh, Miss Tompkins uh, character uh, she would have become part of the cycle of violence herself and mm. abuse by saying no you know the, it, it, it's also how I feel about uh, people uh, circle of people who are victim of uh, violence sometimes they take it on other people but I, mm. I, I look for 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 some sort of retribution uh, through other means and it speaks to how I see the, these feelings that you know you have to end the the the, the violence you you can't let it dominate your mm. uh you, you 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 have to stop it yourself and at the end uh that's what miss topkins does she she lets herself burn to, to it's a little bit terrible way of dying but yeah. she she dies for she ends the circle by letting herself perish in the flames it's uh, again i i did i in the I do agree with all that. And I thought it was kind of like she has come her demise at her demise. She finally came peace with herself and she's she orders Ellie and John to go and live out your life. And then as the house is burning, she sees Ellie's drawings of her college work and it's a reflection of her young Sandy. And, yeah. so that, and mm. then I think that that it was at that moment when Miss Collins realized Ellie's the one person who can keep young Sandy or young Alexandra, which was her real name, alive through her. And then at the end, when Ellie becomes a successful college student, marketing her, presenting her senior design and fashion design in the runway, uh, the film ends with like Ellie looking at the mirror and she sees Sandy and then they tap each other to say they're- they're You go girl. Yes. I kind of like the ending. I, I like the fact that there's no post credits scene. Oh God! Uh, I was All nice. I say for the credit, I was glad that you know it's it. I I, I don't know. I expected something, but it just uh, the end credits where you see credits, pictures of London credits. Where was where was it, film? Yeah, it, it just. I didn't like that. It's a. I don't know why it made me feel a bit. Uh, uh, I was creeped out by it. I don't know why. It just, it was just bizarre. I think that bubblegum song and, okay, dark, right. another dark street, another dark street. It just, I don't know. It, it had a creepy, I don't know, effect on me. I don't know why. I was that's that's when you, that, that's when you got creeped out, Matt. Yeah, actually, I was creeped out. I don't know. I guess I must be creeped out by by uh, empty streets uh, at night. And then uh, there is there is one last. Bond connection and we I actually had to look this up is uh, another the late Marker Nolan from Goldfinger who played Dink she was the barmaid is what the credits said yeah yeah she's in is she in a reflection or do we see her straight up she's the dark she's there for two seconds she's a dark haired elderly woman working at the bar where Sandy goes, is that the Halloween party scene or another bar? I think it's the Halloween party scene. And it cuts to this barmaid of a certain age, golden year, a golden year, the barmaid. And I'm like, why did the movie cut to that? I didn't know that was Margaret Nolan. Yeah, yeah. so I have to look that up. So that's initially what I thought Diana Rick's role was going to be, but I'm glad that she got a much heavier, or kind of carried it, was the meat, was the the driving force of the plot and 
my only disappointment with this film was uh you might say she was the thrust of the plot yeah she was uh my only disappointment with this film with uh uh the last night in soho was uh there was no george lazenby cameo yeah, uh, this I'm glad. I'm, I, I'm glad it would have been distracting. Uh, I, yeah, and I, I, the only role they could have put him in is the Terrence Stamp role, I guess. And I, I like me yeah. some Terrence Stamp, so I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm mm. I mean, because like in on Instagram, like 2019 on Global James Bond, they Edgar Wright and George Lazenby had met up and took a picture mm. together, posted on Instagram, and then George wrote, "Hey Edgar, I heard you directed." Two of the other fellas, referring to Pierce Brosnan and at World's End and Timothy Dalton and Hot Fuzz, he's like, "Why don't you go for the hat trick and cast me in your next film?" And this was while you know still filming last night. And so, so I was like, "I was like, please, George Lazen, be in this film." And then I was like, "He could have been the cab driver that wants to hit on uh, Eloise. Uh, yeah, that you and Ma, don't." Oh, that would have actually been perfect. That, that would have been the perfect role for him. So speak, so the Bond connections, we have Diana Rigg in a strong supporting role. We have Margaret Nolan in a brief cameo, really blink it and you miss it. We see the Thunderball poster because it's pointed at a theater. Uh, I picked, this one's not that subtle, but I picked up when uh, Eloise uh, goes to the, the bar where she's going to work or she's going to work for them or she's applying for the job and she orders, she orders a vodka martini. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there is John Barry's Beat Girl on the soundtrack. I knew I recognized it. I think that's mm. John Barry's again. It is on there and it's not a Bond tune, but it's the tune that made him famous just before he got the Bond job. Um, oh, so and Sand- the- Sandy's p- p- preferred drink is the Vesper. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Well, that, that's when she orders the vodka, no? No, the vodka it's- martini? She doesn't know. She she orders a Vesper. She says she. Um, yeah, she I think I think we're we're talking about the same. Thing. Okay, I thought. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, those are the ones I picked up on. I didn't pick up on any. So one of one's blinking, you miss it. One you really have to peer your ears for it. But those uh, I don't know if there are any others. I didn't I didn't I didn't notice. Them. I was not looking for them, but uh, I think those are the the easy the the ones that are easier to pick up uh, than. In, in, in conclusion, uh, Edgar I can go for the hat trick of the Bond actors by directing a Bond film, maybe Bond twenty seven, because I want Bond twenty six to be Martin Campbell. Well, you know who? Which you know which Bond alumni is available now? Daniel Craig. Yeah, hopefully. Yep. Uh, has he has he mentioned what his next project? Not Craig. Craig is Knives no. Out Two or whatever it's going to be called. But uh, Edgar Wright has he uh, mentioned anything? Mm. No, he's he's still trying to advertise this film, so he's not. He hasn't. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I'll, I'll be done. The only one of his I wasn't too hot on was uh, Baby Driver. It sort of left me a little bit indifferent. But other than that, I'm a big fan. I mean, I enjoyed that film a lot because, like you know, it's filmed all around my university. That show. I mean, I'll he's- definitely rank it lower on my Edgar Wright films because like his other films are so good but that movie's the movie where i said this guy can direct action i would love to see him direct the bond film that's what i said mm. i think he's mm. doing a sequel to baby driver maybe he, I mean, I mean, he said he was but like but that's also pending a lot of you know situations you know because ansel elsewhere has gotten a, has become a bigger actor since uh 
Mm. Uh, well, I mean, well, we'll see. But I'll I'll be at the cinema the next time an Edgar Wright. I'm I'm always at the cinema when an Edgar Wright film comes out. I don't I don't tend to miss them. I don't think I've I think I've seen every single one of his movies at the theater when they came out. Even Shaun of the Dead. It was the buzz was so big surrounding Shaun of the Dead that it just it inevitably went on my radar and I said, okay, I guess I'll go see it. And there we go. Here we are. I don't know how many years later talking about last night at so- last night in Soho. Uh, any concluding uh, thoughts about last night in Soho? Uh, is anybody going to rewatch it again when it comes out on uh, digital or Apple or Blu-ray? Or... If it's on, probably like if it's on HBO Max or so. Mm, yeah, probably a yeah, an HBO, Netflix, Amazon Prime type of thing. It's if it's there, I'll check it out again. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll buy it. It's it's good. I'd say it's very good the one time in the cinema. It's worth it. It's, it's, it's fun music, fun visuals, fun story, fun characters, including the boyfriend whom we never got to. Oh, my God. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. There's I'm a reason sure. for that. Yeah. Well, he was kind of funny. I do like the gag about, you know, he, he, he keeps saying, like, he, he must be coming from, like, you see, from the country as well or something. No, he's from South London, but it's takes so much time to get to North London that he comes from, quote, far away, end quote. That's kind of funny. Uh, but uh, no, it's a good movie. Good movie. I don't, I didn't fall head over heels in love with it, but it's fun. That's yeah, something that, I'll, if it's, I'll put it on, but, you know, I'll be cleaning my apartment while it's playing. I'll pay attention when it's the ghost sequence. Actually, you know what? I'm, I've just downloaded the soundtrack. Uh, on my phone while we were talking, and I, I might actually uh, listen to uh, the soundtrack more often than watch the movie. Uh, oh, for sure. I mean, I, I agree with that too. And um, I think it's a very, it's a perfect Halloween film. So if, so every Halloween, if it's on, you know, because, you know, every Halloween, every streaming service always puts on quote unquote Halloween themed movies. If it's on there, I'll watch it then. That's the mm-hmm. best way I put it. Yeah. Good. Good enough. So, um, that was just uh I'm, I'm i'm actually it's funny you just mentioned the soundtrack matt uh i'm on oh. apple because i'm because i'm i'm an apple seed myself i'm an apple head um just checking does your you said you just downloaded it right yep does your have uh because the one i the one i downloaded has a bonus track really oh uh, the bo- the bonus yeah. track the bonus track includes uh anya taylor joyce singing another cover See- you are my world. So she sang two covers. That's that's yeah, the bonus track. That's the a bonus track. I, I have another bonus track. I have a bonuser. I have a bonuser. A boner. A, a bonuser. Uh, yeah, uh, it's from uh, uh, what's this called? It's the artist is M White. The track is called. Do you have people everywhere? Let's just play this sucker. Do you have people everywhere? Do you have people? Oh, do you have people? Do you have people everywhere? <laughs> He's in my soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> We do have people everywhere, including last night in Soho. Uh, we're on www.thejamesbondcomplex.com, which is uh, the, the ghosts of the past keep saying that it is uh, a Tumblr, Tumblr. account. Uh, we're on Facebook, search for the James Bond Complex. We're on Twitter at the Bond Complex, as well as Instagram uh, at the James Bond Complex, where you've been quite active for about a month now, um, Jason. Uh, we're hosted at Anchor.fm. They're hosting us for free, which we very much appreciate. Uh, and you can, uh, we're on YouTube, uh, although that's calmed down a, a, a little bit. Things are getting a little bit busy for it to start editing YouTube videos. But there's YouTube. Search for us, subscribe, tickle us up with the uh, thumbs up button. 
And uh, what do we got? We got Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, Google Podcasts, Barado uh, Quebec. I'm not going to stop bringing that one up because it's there. Uh, I subscribe and- to that one. I've, I've added it, but, you know, it's, it's pointless. Love it. Love it. Give me some of that poutine. And uh, Apple Podcasts. Search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe, write a review, and leave a five-star, shiny, silver-knifed uh, review. Um, Jason, you're also online independently. I'm on Instagram at jasxo188. Or if you see my post, my last 24 posts, it was everything from Fleming to film and everything in between. Or mostly Fleming, Ooh. though. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. This has been a scary episode. I'm terrified. Podcast. Children, you know, set of what brains and podcast. Very good. I like where you're going. I like where your brain is at. <laughs> so on that so this is going to be an insanely quick turnaround i might even make it so that this goes up tonight uh so i'm uh, recording on my computer so uh it's coming up t- in t- t- well, tonight all right so uh on that note just as james bond always returns go to the james bond complex ciao belli hasta la prossima I only got about a little bit of sleeping pill drugs left for you. So that's uh, that's a deleted scene exclusive. It's going to be on the DVD. It's going to be on the VHS. Yeah. (laughs) Um,